Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, September 13th, 2021. As our nation this last weekend remembered the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, I was reminded of just one of the most lasting images and memories that I remember from that day. And that was a large group from Congress gathered on the steps of the Capitol. And after some announcement was made, they broke out into singing uh, God Bless America together. And this was a large group, Democrats, Republicans, uh, all different walks of life. They're united in song uh, in support of our nation on that dark day. And now, 20 years later, hopefully we never forget what happened that day, but it sure seems like some of that unity that was found in those moments is long gone. And in many ways, we live in a society that is characterized by division and in some ways kind of incivility, uh, just very harsh uh, towards anybody that disagrees with you. And certainly there's some very serious issues uh, going on in our society. And so in light of all of that, issues that even as Christians we should care about, but uh, also the division and, and the incivility, how, how are Christians supposed to operate? Well, we're going to have a passage that I think really gives us some good and helpful direction, and even on how God is calling us to be uh, courteous in an uncivil world. And we're going to look today at Titus chapter 3. And uh, just listen along as I read the first several verses. And it's also interesting to note some things from the context in this chapter. The most famous verse in Uh, Titus is chapter five, which is a verse that reminds us we're saved by grace and not by works. But what I want you to understand is what is the context even that that verse is brought up in? Let's start at the beginning of the chapter. It says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now, let's just sit with those words for a little bit. Does that seem like an accurate description of our society today? No, in some ways, it seems like the very opposite of what goes on in our world. But here we are seeing God call us to something different. And why is he doing that? Well, now we got to get into the context. Look at verse three. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So there, it's that strong reminder that we are not saved by our works. We're saved by the grace of God. And all of us at one point, we were lost in sin. We were foolish, hateful, and led astray. And so now it's that mindset really of humility and acknowledging that I'm only saved by the grace of God that should now affect the way that we operate in a sinful society. 
And, and that's where we come back to that. God calls us to be submissive and obedient, to be courteous, to avoid quarreling and gentle. And, and that can be hard for us to navigate because we look at, but there's some really messed up things going on in the world. How do, how do I just act like nothing's going on. Well, that's not what the passage is telling us to do. The passage is not telling us to act like nothing is going on. It just tells us really to how, how to go about what it is uh, that we feel we need to do as Christians. And even just to give some color and context to this verse, let's just consider some examples from Scripture. And we have to be reminded again here of the default in verse one, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient. When you consider Romans 13 as well, and first uh, Peter two, it's good for us to be reminded that the default for Christians is that we submit to authority. And even we acknowledge those in our government as put there by God. And our default position is to submit and to obey to our authorities. That's what scripture clearly teaches. We do see in scripture some examples where um, the Christians, the apostles or Daniel, that they do not go along with what the authorities say because they, they see there is a direct conflict between what the authorities are asking them to do and what God is calling them to do. And in those situations, we must do what God is calling us to do. But even how do we go about that? And does that mean we just kind of uh, shut up about everything that's concerning in society? Uh, no. But examples I want you to think about be especially be the examples of uh, Daniel and the examples of the early church. Uh, Daniel, when they told him not to pray, he kept on praying. And even he did it in an open way, you know, going back to his window where, where he could be seen. He, he prayed. His three friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they did not bow to the idol. But even when you read those accounts, uh, what you're going to see is even when they, they did not obey, the, the way they went about it, I think, fulfills the description in this passage. They weren't just trying to fight. They weren't just trying to make a scene. They were trying to honor God. And even how you see them talking to the king, they don't come across as angry or snarky. They come across as gentle and showing perfect courtesy to all people. Uh, even we see the Apostle Paul and how he interacts. The, the one time we kind of see him get frustrated towards one of the authorities, even though he is being unjustly arrested and tried, he he apologizes the one time that he kind of says something mean uh, towards the, the high priest. And even later, before the Roman governor, we see Paul is not afraid to to call him out. It says that he spoke to him concerning, you know, righteousness and self-control and judgment, right? He is not afraid to uh, address this governor's sin and call him to repentance in Christ. But it seems that the way he is going about that would fit the description in this passage. So as we think about being Christians in an ungodly, uncivil world, uh, are there things that we should stand up for? Absolutely. And will there be a, a point, and it seems like it's coming even now, that there's ways people are being to, asked to compromise on conscience or conviction or what, what God is calling us to do? And no, we have to do what God says, but even how do we go about that? And I think Titus 3 is going to be very helpful as we live to honor God, uh, but we also uh, clearly want to do it the right way and, and do what He is calling us to do. So hopefully this passage is something that will help all of us navigate this world that we live in. Another thing that's going to help us do that, obviously, is then to remember. 
Uh, how did we get saved? And that's what we see in the later part here of that passage, that the reason we should go through this world where, hey, we're going to be bold with the gospel, but we're not going to be afraid to, to call out sin or, or wrong or injustice, what we're going to stand and do what God wants uh, first and foremost. Uh, but the reason we're going to do that in this way is uh, we're going to do that because we, we are humble. And we don't look out at the world as, oh, what a bunch of idiots that can't figure it out. We look at the world and say, man, I would be lost too if Christ had not saved me. So hopefully that encourages us and helps us. I think another thing that will help us to have this right perspective is Ecclesiastes chapters five through eight. And as we look at these, we're going to see some similar themes to what we saw yesterday. There's a lot more in these chapters that come across kind of like Proverbs. Um, but we, we see some things here that will, that will help us. Uh, one verse is one of my personal favorites that comes from this passage is in chapter 7, verse 10. And it says, Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. And that's a tendency I think a lot of us have to look back at the good old days. Remember when I was young, you'd see people that were older, you know, talking about, oh, those good old days. Or, uh, you know, you think of the character Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite who would say, oh, back in 82, I could throw a pigskin a quarter mile, you know, and always looking backwards. And as a young person, that didn't make sense. But the older I get, the more I can kind of look back and think of, oh, yeah, those were the good old days. And uh, God reminds us that's not a wise road to go down. There's not much fruit that comes back from just pining for yesteryear and the good old days. Uh, God wants us to be more engaged where we are now. And we're going to need to trust the sovereignty of God to do that. Uh, verse 14 of chapter 7 is helpful. It says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. We don't know what God is doing. And that's really the thrust of uh, chapter 8 towards the end, that we don't know what God is up to. Uh, in, in verse 16, it says, When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep, then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. And so there we see, when we try to figure out, man, what is God up to? And don't you do that? Don't you look out at the world? Don't you look out at our nation and say, man, what is God up to? And it's basically telling us here, you're not going to be able to figure that out. God doesn't always tell us exactly what it is that he is up to. And it's, be kind, of, it's kind of with that thought that we see verse 15 in chapter 8, and I commend joy for man has nothing better under the sun, but to eat and drink and be joyful for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Uh, that there's this perspective of enjoy life, fear God, do what is right. Uh, and that's what we can do. And so I think even as we consider Titus and then Ephesians or Ecclesiastes five through eight, 
it's going to help us kind of find that balance that we should have in life between being apathetic and just not caring about what's going on in the world or around us or in our own lives and being apoplectic and just overcome with anger and just frustrated uh, that it's going to keep us kind of balanced and saying, hey, I'm concerned about things that I see in my own situation as things I see in the world, but I'm going to focus on I need to fear God. I need to please him. I want to do the right thing. And I'm also going to enjoy the life that God has put in front of me. And so hopefully these passages help us uh, to see these things. And really what we need to see in our world is repentance. What we really need to see is people turning away from lives that are dominated by self uh, and turn to the living God and bowing the knee to King Jesus and following him. We see a great example of repentance in Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10 in a familiar story about a wee little man named Zacchaeus who was too short to see Jesus over the crowd. So he climbs up in the sycamore tree and Jesus says, I'm going to your house. And there we see this example of repentance that Zacchaeus clearly realizes the life that he is living as a tax collector, extorting people, taking money unjustly is wrong. And he vows to repent. We see the change of heart that he has here. And Jesus responds by saying, today salvation has come to this house, not because Zacchaeus earned it with good works, but because he was clearly responding to the presence of Jesus the right way with repentance and faith in him. May we see more Zacchaeuses in our time. We end with a somewhat discouraging example in Psalm 106, where he is continuing to remember the ways that God, that the people have forgotten God and failed to follow him. And here we see him reflect back in history to the time where people opposed Moses and Aaron, and they were swallowed up by the earth. Uh, we see the story of the golden calf and how God did not like that. And really that they forgot God, their savior who had done great things in Egypt. And then how the spies, they thought the land was not going to be able to be taken. So God made them wander in the wilderness. So here we see the horrible effects of sin in a nation. But in Luke, we, we saw the, the hope of repentance. So even as we seek to be the kind of Christians that God wants us to be, Christians that will stand for the truth, Christians that will commit to uh, doing what God wants, uh, but doing it the right way with perfect courtesy and with gentleness, as we commit to be those kind of Christians, may we pray for real repentance in our own nation, that we would see more and more people turn from their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.